applause for Pastor Bon as he comes. Check, check. Praise God, church. I'm excited to be here this morning. I thought I would take the stairs because uh, you know, if I jumped up like our brother here, I'd do myself an injury and we can't have that. How many people here this morning, you've got the victory in the name of Jesus? Amen. Hang around this morning. And if you don't have the victory, you're going to have the victory by the time you leave this morning. Hallelujah. Um, I appreciate our brother's testimony this morning in the offering. And it was a fantastic segue. Uh, he's talking about how, you know, he's on the verge of losing his marriage. The kids are on the verge of losing their dad. Because I want to minister a sermon this morning that I've entitled, How to Avert a Family Crisis. How to Avert a Family Crisis. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, we're going to turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to read from... Uh, Uh, Chapter 68, verse 5 and 6. That's the book of Psalms. Chapter 68, verse 5 and 6. Do appreciate, once again, the privilege and the opportunity to be invited to come and minister here in this precious uh, congregation this morning. And uh, don't take that lightly. So thank you, uh, Pastor Dan and Beck, do a great job here. Great congregation. And uh, we're looking forward to having you guys come and impact us on the 21st of March. God's going to move and help us. Amen. And I do encourage you, if you know anyone who lives uh, in and around the area there in uh, Otahuhu, uh, please uh, invite them out. Uh, get in contact with any of the old contacts, people that, that aren't living for God anymore. Bring them out because uh, God's going to reestablish his kingdom in that, in that city. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Not long before we left Australia and came over to Auckland, uh, I read an article. Um, It was about a 15-foot scrub python uh, there in Australia, up in an area in Queensland, in Brisbane. And it attacked a four-year-old boy. Um, Mr. Thompson, the father's name, he he was hosting a few friends and family when the beast attacked latching onto Clifford, his son, and trying to drag him away. Hell-bent on the son, it kept on and continued to attack the son even after. So here it is, right? Imagine this. You're there, you're just having a few friends, barbecue, etc. They've got a swimming pool there, just having a, you know, a, a Diet Coke, hallelujah, and a, and a sausage sizzle. And then suddenly some screams, right? And as, you, as they turn their attention to see what's going on, there's this huge snake, and it's attacking their four-year-old son. Of course, the father runs to the defense, right? He wants to go and rescue his son. And so he grabs this snake, he kind of wrestles with it a bit, and uh, he, he even manages to break its jaw, right? So here's this snake now, it's got a broken jaw, and there's other people around, it's chaos, there's screaming, all sorts of things going on. But yet this snake, it's still hell-bent, or, or it's like it's possessed with still trying to get to the sun right it's strange like there's other people around why is it targeting the sun still trying to get to the sun trying to drag him away and then this is a classic picture this morning a classic picture of the devil and his assault on families right and so let's read our text this morning book of psalms 
68 verse 5 and 6 says these words. A father of the fatherless, hallelujah, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation, that's the place where he lives, because God sets the solitary into families. That word solitary, it's talking about the lost. It's talking about the broken. It's talking about people that have got issues, like you and I this morning, as we go through life, how many know we've got issues? We're not perfect. But here it is, the solitary are set into families, and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Those who are bound. This is the picture of someone who's been arrested, locked up, and they're bound. They no longer have their freedom. They're restricted in the things that they can do. But hallelujah, this morning, God brings them out and brings them into prosperity. Prosperity, fruitfulness, freedom, power, victory, dominion. How many people want to have that this morning? Hallelujah. Come on. And so this morning, I want to look at, first of all, and consider with you family crisis. Now, let me start out here by saying that I know there are many different situations and circumstances in life, and many things will happen in life that are out of our control. And I'm not trying to, one, make light of any of them. I'm not trying to paint them all with the same picture. Nor am I willing or trying to cause condemnation in some way or make us relive the past. But I want to point out this morning and draw our attention to a crisis that's happening. A crisis that's happening in society because there's a spiritual war against our families. There's a a war that's taking place and it's an assault on families. And so we want to look at that this morning. Um, Okay, so like me this morning, I come from a messed up family. And so if you're here this morning and you're like me, and you can identify with any of the following, listen very carefully. If you, your parents, your children, or your siblings, all right, that's 360 degrees, those above us, those below us, and those to the side, anyone at all, has been affected by any of the following things. Abuse. That's mental, physical, or sexual. Adultery or other sexual breakdowns. Addiction. This is alcohol or drugs. Abandonment or uninterested or uninvolved parents. An absence of a marriage commitment, cohabitation, or divorce. That's you in this place this morning. You've been affected. Your parents, your kids, or your your sideways relatives have been affected by any of those things, I wonder if you'd do something for me this morning and just raise a hand. Now, I'm not here to, to look around, look around. That'd be almost every person here in the place this morning. And that's why I want to address this issue because this is a very real problem that's happening in society and it needs to be addressed, needs to be looked at. In the Garden of Eden, the devil disrupted the first marriage by targeting Eve. In the very next chapter of the Bible, his influence is what is behind one brother killing another. And so from that time until now, your and I, uh, sorry, our families have been in the devil's targets. And so why is that? We've been in his sight as a target. Why is that? The answer is very simple this morning. It is because that family is and was God's plan. God designed the family this morning. 
He designed it to be one man and one woman joined together in holy matrimony and he commanded them to go forth and produce offspring. This was and still is God's blueprint for society or his map, if you like, the way he designed it. I read about President Lyndon Johnson from the United States uh, going back in history. He gave a speech called the Great Society Speech in 1964 and he said that the nuclear family is the foundation for society. The nuclear family, right? The way God designed it, the original way. Husband, wife, mum and dad with their kids joined together uh, in a vow before God called marriage. They have their kids They operate within that family and not outside of that family, right? That's the way God designed it in the beginning. And it's the foundation for society. Now, let's contrast that with a recent article that I read. In the Daily Mail, it was a headline and it said these words. The collapse of the nuclear family should be applauded due to the new reality of single and same-sex parents, says a top family court judge. Oh, church, we're in trouble when a family court judge is saying that the collapse of the family, the way God designed it, should be applauded. He's saying we should be all cheering and clapping our hands and celebrate this as a, as a victory. That's absurd. That's back to front. That's upside down this morning. That is not the way God designed the family unit to be. And it should not be applauded. And this, this mentality, this, uh, this uh, news from the media, if you like, it's, it's being crammed down our throats, whether we like it or not. We're being conditioned. It's relentless. And God help us is, if you and I give a contrary opinion on that. If we were to stand up, they're talking about this stuff in the workplace, right? You know, same-sex marriage and all this kind of thing. And, you know, um, my, my wife uh, at her work, um, she was at the table with some other ladies and a guy came up and he was like, oh, I'm getting married on the weekend. And, and I was like, what? And, so, and the, her co-workers are celebrating this. They're like, oh, what are you wearing? And all this sort of stuff. And my wife just said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And so this is being celebrated as some kind of a, you know, this is, this is a good thing. This is even more celebrated than if a normal man and wa- a woman were going to get married. They make such a big deal out of it. It's back to front. It's upside down. And so, if we give a, an opinion that's, that's different to that, then they're not going to tolerate our intolerance. And so, th- it costs society in Australia... Some Australian stats and figures, I haven't had time to look up the New Zealand ones, but I dare say they would be similar. It cost Australia $110,000 uh, uh, $110, per year per prisoner on average in jails. There's 43,000 prisoners at any given time, and they're full of men and women uh, who from by and large come from broken families or people who have been rejected fatherless men and women you know, form gangs you know Pastor Toppen I think when he was here he mentioned this he talked about uh, uh, an example from the Bible right fatherless men and women they form gangs why because they want to have a sense of family and they find that family feeling in their gang but it's not right it's not the way God designed it to be 
The Australian Institute of Family Studies will boast that divorce rates are at an all-time low. In 1975, 67.6% uh, of divorces involved children under the age of 18. Whereas if you fast forward to 2017, it was only 47.1%. So they're claiming that you know, going back years up until recent times, divorce rates have gone down. But the problem with these stats is that they're a false, they're a false stat. And the reason why they're a false stat is because people just simply aren't getting married anymore. They're just living together in, in, in cohabitation, right? And so they're taking these stats from actual marriage. But what about all these families that no longer value marriage, no longer think that getting married is worth it or doing it the right way before God is the right way to live and do things? Those stats aren't included. And so if we were to look at that as a whole, I'm sure that it would be very, very revealing that there's far more issues and far more things going on than, than what the stats are recording. So if we were to take, my point is this, if we were to take a quick look into history, it would show us that people who come from good, solid families are generally more uh, successful in most areas of life than others. If you were to remove a person from being raised with the benefits of family, then their chances of happiness and contentment and that of their offspring or their kids is dramatically reduced. And it doesn't take much to figure out what's going on here. What God designed for our benefit is under assault and has been broken down by our sin. And so then let's look at, secondly, family conflict this morning. One person said that families are a lot like fudge, mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. And so if your family is anything like mine this morning, then you can relate to that. Plenty of uh, nuts in my family, let me tell you. In 1994, there was a movie out of New Zealand called Once Were Warriors. How many people have seen that movie? It's like a national trophy, right? The story is about a messed up family from New Zealand struggling to make ends meet. They're involved in violence and addictions and it's hard-hitting and confronting. And as a result, it became a sensation, winning many awards, etc. But I want to tell you this morning that that situation, that family situation in that movie, that's not unique, unique to New Zealand. That family situation is the same in Australia. I was born and raised there. It's exactly the same. If you were to look around the world, you're going to find family issues and family crisis and social behavior issues happening in every nation that you look at because this is a worldwide issue. It's not just restricted to one country. And so in 1994, the year that movie came out, same year I got saved. Hallelujah. And so I also come from a messed up family, as I, as I mentioned in the beginning, right? So let me give you a, a quick rundown. My mum, uh, pregnant at 16, gives birth to a son, gets married, I think, at around 17, gives birth to another son, not long after that, because you know, the, the, the marriage wasn't actually, actually based on anything real, other than the fact that she was pregnant, ends up in divorce. From there, a young woman... You know, broken and struggling, looking for love in all the wrong places, 
has another son, which is me, right? And so when I was about one years of age, my mum finds out that the whole time she had been together with my dad, that he actually is married with other kids, right? And so this kind of stuff is happening in and around us. This kind of stuff is happening all over the world. This is a major issue that is not right. Right? And so we just sort of brush it over and look past it. But you know, God's got something to say on family, marriage, and these kinds of issues. And we need to follow his way, follow his word, and follow what he says if we're going to have any chance of success, any chance of hope, any chance of uh, you know, living the dream when it comes to having a, a great family life. And so over the years, I began to realize that my family was not unique and that many people had their own stories. It is no mistake that this snake that I was talking about at the start of the sermon in Queensland attacks the sun. He goes for the weak. The Bible says that the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you've ever seen any documentaries on, on lions and this kind of stuff in Africa... You know, they don't go for the fit and the big. They go for the, the weak and the injured. right? And so here it is, the son, a small boy, four years old, he's the target of this snake. And so why is that? It's because reproduction, fruitfulness, reproduction, is the heart of God this morning. Hallelujah. Reproduction is the heart of God. And in the garden, God designed family to be fruitful and multiply. The devil hates that, and he wants to assault that. He wants to rip us off. Think about this. When Cain killed Abel, the possibility of fruitfulness was halved in one day. And that's what I want to expose. In the New Testament this morning, it's the same. In the book of Mark, chapter 16 and verse 15, He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and he who believes and is baptized will be saved. You know, when a Christian is distracted and consumed with offense this morning, something that you've been offended by, then your possibility and that of your church for fruitfulness is also dramatically reduced. It starts in Genesis. We see it again in the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel 18, verse 9 and 10. It says, So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. And from that day, Saul was obsessed with David. Instead of being about kingdom business, he was obsessed with David now, a fellow brother in the church. And he can't think about fruitfulness and winning souls. He's been offended over a little song that was sung that he overheard. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. We read in the book of Esther, uh, chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says these words, Then Haman uh, told them of his great riches, of the multitude of his children, and everything which the king had promoted him in, and how he had advanced him above all the officials and servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me 
uh, to come in with the king to the banquet that she had prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited uh, to be with her along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting in the king's gate. So he's this guy, he's talking about all these blessings, all these positive things that have happened in his life. And he can see, uh, you know, the, the hand of God moving and touching and all these things. He's, he's, he's bragging about him. He lists them off, right? But then he says these words, it avails me nothing. All of those things, these great things that are happening mean nothing as long as Mordecai, Mordecai the Jew is sitting in the king's gate. If you know the story, he put out a decree that everyone should bow down to him as he passes through on the street. And this guy, Mordecai the Jew, he says, no, nah, man, I'm not doing that. I bow down to no man. I bow down to God and God only. And so he's offended by this. Everybody in this whole city, they're bowing down to me except for Mordecai the Jew. And so this becomes what he's obsessed with. He's offended by this, this, this little thing. All of these great things going on in his life, but this little one little thing that's annoying me, and that's all he can think about. He wants to kill an entire race over this. Talk about overreacting, right? I mean, in comparison to what's going on here, it's a very small issue. And the guy goes and designs and has built 25-meter gallows. You know, you can hang on a one, you can die on a one-meter gallow as that blade drops down on your head. It doesn't have to be 25 meters high, right? You're going to die if it's one meter high, blade coming down on your head. But this is demonic amplification, right? He's making this issue into a massive issue, 25 meters worth of issue. It doesn't need to be like that. In the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, it says... Uh, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and, do, uh, and does not know uh, where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. After 26 years now as a Christian, a Christian survivor, I've lost many brothers and sisters over the years. You know, people who have at some point become offended by something. They're no longer around. They've lost their way. They're backslidden. They're on their way to hell. It's sad. And I've got to tell you, if I, if I, ever, if I spend time thinking about it, it's, it's a tragedy. Right? And so... You know, this, this church has been around for a little while now, and I'm sure you can tell stories of your own brothers and sisters that, that we love dearly, no longer around, no longer serving God, because they've been distracted by some little offense when you think about it in the grand scheme of life, right? And so the devil wants to destroy physical families. He also wants to destroy spiritual families. When I say spiritual family, I'm talking about the church this morning. And so then let's, let's look at, thirdly, family benefits. And I'm not talking about social security payments that you get from the government when I say family benefits. And so I thank God for this church this morning. 
This church is a testimony of the power of God to change hearts and lives. Can you say amen? I thank God for my home church in Parramatta because all those years ago, I came from a messed up family and God took the solitary, the lost and the broken, and he placed them into the family of God. You know, I had no father growing up, but I met my father in heaven that day when I got saved, right? And so I experienced the love, the true love of a father that day when I asked for forgiveness and I asked him to come into my heart and he changed my life forever this morning. And aren't you glad that he's done that? He's raising up families. He's raising up churches all over the globe. And, uh, and we are the beneficiaries, those who are, you know, reaping the benefits of the kingdom of God, God the Father and the family of the church. Hallelujah. And so there's several uh, things to consider this morning, several benefits to consider. The first one of those is a sense of belonging and identity. Did you know that belonging to a family group or a community gives us a sense of identity? It helps us to understand who we are. And this is important this morning because this is the exact opposite to rejection, isolation, and confusion. Three of the major contributors associated with mental health, mental illness, and suicide. You know, our generation is struggling with identity. But in this church this morning, we know who we are through Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah, church. I'll tell you, so many benefits and victories that we get simply by being part of a church this morning. Number two, it provides us with a learning, a place of learning and, a, and it helps us to understand that we can be part of something that's larger than just ourselves. You know, this is going to help us with our self-centeredness, our selfishness. It's going to help us to learn to care for others, to include, to invite in those on the outside, to invite in those who are lost and broken this morning. This is going to help us being part of a church to interact with each other, to communicate with others, and think outside of ourselves as we serve God and we serve each other this morning. This is a tremendous blessing. You don't get that anywhere else. You know, what, what other place do you, do you get to learn all those things? This is how God designed it this morning. He designed it that we would be part of a church. Number three, research finds that people with strong social connections... I'm not talking about Facebook or, or uh, you know, whatever the, all those other ones are. I don't even have them, right? I can't even tell you what they're called. Facebook's the only one that comes to mind. I'm not talking about those when I say social connections. Uh, I'm talking about real people, real relationships with real people. So people who have those, they have less stress-related health issues and lower risk of mental illness, and faster recovery from trauma or illness. Hallelujah. Who wants to have those benefits? You know why? It's because it's our friends, our family, and our church that encourages us and supports us when we're going through a tough time. When we're going through a valley, thank God for a brother or a sister that can reach out to us and say, hey, you know what? I'm praying for you. Is there anything that you need? Anything that I can help you with? That's a real family. That's a real church this morning. And so this is the miracle of our text. The Bible says that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, 
and God in his holy habitation sets the solitary into families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious will, d- will dwell <laughs> picky, picky, will dwell in a dry land. So this snake attack, eventually after watching in shock, someone who was there finally kicked into gear and in a nearby garden shed they found a sledgehammer big heavy hammer with a big heavy head on the end of it right this snake's still there there's chaos going on people screaming this kid's been bitten there's blood all sorts of chaos happening and this guy takes the sledgehammer and he takes it to that snake like Thor right finishes the thing off kills it and, and, and the job's done it's over and done with thank God finally someone after all this this chaos and mayhem kicks into gear and he deals with this snake aggressively. You know, the snake was aggressive and the only way to deal with it was aggressively. And the only way for you and I to get the victory over this spirit that is assaulting our world is to deal with it aggressively this morning. It was so aggressive, he said, uh, that I just could not go to work knowing that this thing was crawling around my house. We don't want to go to work with a demon spirit assaulting our family, assaulting our house, assaulting our church. We need to be aggressive in prayer. We need to be aggressive in the way we deal with things. We need to be aggressive. And I'm talking about violence, physical stuff. I'm talking about spiritual warfare here. You know, if we're going to get the victory over this, then we need to do it aggressively and take dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. And so if we and our families want to avoid a family crisis this morning, and I'm not just talking about surviving a family crisis, but thriving, we must cut off this attack at the head. We must snake-proof our minds and our hearts against that serpent of old this morning. Hallelujah. Two ways that we can do this, right? And so this isn't complicated. I'm not going to give you 10 keys or 15 steps on how we can get the victory over this, right? There's two things. Write these down, memorize these two very simple things and the first one is that we need to confess our hurt to God you know when you're offended this morning you must come to a point where a decision is made I'm going to give this to God I'm not going to hang on to this and nurture this and you know let this fester in my heart and become this ugly thing but rather I'm going to give it to God this is the first and the best possible option, right? You're hurt, you're offended, something's gone down, uh, whatever it is in your family, in your church, give it to God. If that's not possible, right? And I know there's some things that can happen that are so severe that that's not possible, it needs to be addressed. Then the second thing we need to do is we need to confess our hurt to each other. We need to talk to each other. As a family would. Well, we can't pretend that something didn't happen and just keep sweeping it under the carpet because eventually we're going to have a, a, a massive explosion and it's going to get ugly. We don't want that. We're mature adults. We're, we're Christian men and women. We're the children of God this morning. 
we walk in victory and dominion and so you know we we ought to have a confidence that we could sit down with our brothers and sisters in Christ and address issues, things that have come up, things that are, that are, are an offense and work them through. If we can't give it to God, give it to God, let it go. If not, we need to talk to each other. The Bible says, confess our hurts to each other this morning. You know, we can't pretend that we're not wounded. You, you can't walk around pretending like nothing's wrong when your leg's missing. Right? Or you're in a cast and you've got plaster or you know, patches and all kinds of stuff. You know, nothing's wrong, man. I'm all good. Uh, you know, it comes out. It comes out in your conversation. It comes out, you, people can feel that when there's something wrong. Don't let that happen. Don't let that go on you know, for days, weeks, months, years. Talk about it. Deal with it. And I tell you, the Bible says in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 18 that you need to go to your brother. And this is the best possible practice. Right, I, I learnt this. Thank God, I learnt this lesson early in my Christianity, and have been able to navigate now 26 years of Christianity. I'm still living for God with the victory. Right, I've seen brothers and sisters that they're no longer around because they didn't learn how to deal with this. And so, revival. How many want to have revival this morning? Revival starts with repentance. Right, when you first come to Christ. When a church is birthed, it starts with repentance, repentance of sin. But it continues with forgiveness. You and I need to forgive each other. As time goes on in a church, you know, things can happen. I know that I've been around in church for a long time, right? And so if revival is going to continue, it continues when you and I have a revelation and a true understanding of forgiveness this morning. Hallelujah. You know, they can rob us of our equipment and our gear, right? But they can't rob us of victory and dominion in the name of Jesus Christ this morning, right? This church is going to continue to grow. I tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost. You guys uh, keep doing what you're doing for God. I see the, uh, the impact team sign-up list up there. Make sure you come out on the Odahu one. Hallelujah. And, uh, and we'll take care of you when you come. And God's going to bless you this morning. That's all I have. Let's bow our heads. We want to close off this morning in a word of prayer.